Hey, I'm James McDougall. I'm Lexi Grabowski. I'm Briar Knowles. My name is Jessica Malka. I'm Christy Murdoch. It's Alaska Lee. I am Natasha Prasad. I'm Megan Hemingway. I'm Leanne Johnson. My name is Snezhana Baitova. I'm Kate Schroeder. My name is Natasha Herbert. My name is Rachel. My name is Deborah Lee Smith. I'm Rebecca Amzaleg. And I'm an actress and producer. I'm an actress based in New York City. Writer. Actress. I'm an actor. Actor and filmmaker. I'm an actress based in Los Angeles. And I'm an actor, singer, songwriter. I'm an actress. I'm a model actress based out of Calgary, Alberta. I'm an actor and a musician. I am an actress based in Toronto, and I want to thank you so much for watching. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for watching. Thanks for watching. Thanks so much for watching. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for watching. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for tuning in to the Chat with Dan Show. I want to start this whole conversation with this first question, which is, what would you like to have told to yourself before becoming an actor? Uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, remember to really go for it and have fun. Don't let anybody make it not fun for you. That's good. That's what I would, would say. Yeah, mine's kind of similar like to enjoy the process more, the journey of it all. Because I think we, I know for myself as a younger person, I had this idea that like, oh, it was going to start once I had this, this, and this. And it's like, no, this is it. This, the journey is it. So like, enjoy it, celebrate the like small wins along the way and like, try to enjoy it more. Don't let anyone take that joy away. Kind of like what you said. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Um there's something that people kept telling me throughout my entire journey, probably because I wasn't doing it enough, but um, had I been able to understand this concept and really kind of drop it in, I think I would have benefited because I, I, it took me a long time before I started uh, booking jobs. But um, this idea of the, the more I can be myself, the better it's going to be. It's just going to be uh, successfully better. I'm going to have a better time. My shame spirals will be different. Like, and I, and I, I'm so grateful that like, yeah, it could have taken longer, but now I, I understand that. And I really moved towards that more than anything else. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. I, um, I agree with everything you got, you said for sure. And I, and I, for me, I, I kind of wish I knew this cause I always was like having fun and just like acting for the sake of acting. But I wish I knew earlier that it was a business. Like the, there was, like if I would have, if I could have just shake, shook myself, like when I was really young and been like, this is a business, get an agent, man. <laughs> like I was just running around freelance, like going around different, con you know, provinces and just acting for like nothing. And it would just would have been really smart to kind of figure that part out a little bit earlier. It would have been nice, you know, that, that it's a business and it, you know, and you got to work, like, think like that a little bit too in the, in the back of your it's head. It's so funny. I was just talking to somebody uh, the other day, like, you know, but the lead on many series and we were laughing because if I didn't have an agent, I would work for free all the time because I, I love working. I'm like, oh, that's fine. So like thinking about, you know, how much our union and how many, how much our agents do for us. I'm just like, thank you. But also I like, I, I would work for free all that. I shouldn't say this, but I mean, it's true. I would work for free constantly. Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, that being said, what has surprised you the most about the profession of being an actor? I can take this one off. I I, I thought about, you know, the, the idea that um, 
a lot of it's mundane, especially film acting. Like theater acting is different because you're like so active on stage and you're always like, like you're always like kind of, you know, trying to project to the back of the room and get the, it's, it's a little bit different, but film acting, some days can be so mundane and, and, and don't, don't really feel like you can literally leave the whole day and you're like, all I did was kind of like walk in a house and like eat a meal and like open a door and like just the, the simplest yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. You, and, you just lie down and be dead for like <laughs> four hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, or, you know, just regular everyday life stuff. That's not all scenes are super exciting, you know, and especially when you're working on a feature, you might have days in a row where you're just like doing the, the just normal scenes where you're just kind of setting up a story or something and you just go about and it's just so um i guess you just gotta i don't know it's just it's just like living life and it doesn't it, it, at, at the end of it you don't feel like you just delivered some crazy monologue and you're like got this rush like you do from stage or something like that you're just like oh like it, was, it was a little mundane and just huh? but you know you, you did the work like you just you went through whatever you had to do for that scene you know <laughs> I think too, to, yes, totally agree with everything that you just said, James. Um, to me too, it's like we train in, you know, or however you came up, it's like you train for those moments of being on set, of being on stage. What I didn't, what surprised me is, you know, we don't train for like, how do you take care of yourself when you're auditioning it's like so much of our job is to audition and to like pour it all into this thing and then have the like mental health and ability to then let it go and move on and like that to me has been the biggest learning curve it's like the work so much of the work is auditioning and like grinding for no money and doing it because you love it and then sometimes you get to go to set and then sometimes you get to go on stage, but like the, the job, so much of the job is um, the sort of thankless, like parts of the day that no one sees and the, the struggles and then like managing your relationship to your work. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. I've been getting, <laughs> somebody new must've moved into my building because I've been getting like noise complaints for my vocal warmups. And I was like, you don't understand. I can't not do these. I'm like, I know you think that I'm just, you know, doing these mumbly parts because that's what, what something called for. But it's not that. I We need to have all of this practice. And like mm -hmm. um, so many of the great teachers I've worked with, like Larry Moss or Rael and Bodhi, it's like you have to have a daily practice. And like that's yeah. the work. Um what I also find surprising about uh, what I've learned, especially in TV and film, I've not done a lot of theater. Um, and this is helpful. And I remember somebody telling me this, actually somebody, an actor who um, uh, went into production and writing afterwards, but she just explained, she's like, the actors are so exactly the same size as every single other part of the movie so every single crew member every single you know mm -hmm. person who's like in the financial office trying to put things together like the coordinators and and that has been so helpful for me because I'm like I'm it's really not a big deal it's like also you know schedules uh yeah sure of course for us it's what we look like and what we can do and what we bring in our essence but if I if I can let go of it being about me, it's also I can't do much about what my face looks like, and I can't do much about the sound of my voice in my entire life. You know what I mean? Like I can't do much other than offer this. Um, but to let go of thinking that the actors are more important than anybody else, or that there's only 
you know, a director, a writer, and actors that are important. It's it's everybody literally is completely essential. And I like that. It's calming. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all of that. Um, I think one of the things that really surprised me was the amount of gatekeeping <laughs> getting into it at all. Um, like, you know, it's there, you know, it's like shooting for the stars when you start out, but it, it, it's really um, never ending <laughs> sometimes. It just feels like, oh, I finally got that. And then there's another, oh, you need more experience to get that experience. Or you need to know this person to work with that person. And it's, it's um, there's a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of people who are very precious about what they do and protective and... Um, and I think it comes from a place of love for the craft, but it can be very difficult to, I guess, soldier on and keep going and, and find your way. Um, but yeah, that was that was very surprising for me. That's yeah. incredible. I love all of those answers. And you know, it's interesting, but uh, with, what, uh, with what you mentioned, Rebecca, the fact that because for some people might think that the movie depends strictly on the act on the actors. So that's it, you know, that uh, that the, that if the movie wasn't good enough. Is the fault of the actors, which which once you which once you realize there's a whole as you mentioned there's a whole lot of things behind that we of course the audience don't know when we're watching you know the whole project. It's funny mm -hmm. now when I see a movie that's like full of really uh, people that I find really talented or who I've seen a lot of their movies be really strong, and if the movie's not gelling for some reason, I'm like, who the fuck did this? And I'm like looking who edited <laughs> it, and I'm like. <laughs> But this editor has made this movie. It couldn't have been them. I'm like, why do I need to blame somebody? <laughs> right. yeah. be Who's the, the bad seed? Yeah. It's, it's the, the gaffer. Seed. It's the freaking gaffer. <laughs> no one gaffer. ever blames the gaffer. <laughs> no one ever, you know. I'm like, network that one PA. This. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's interesting, too, because actors do get so much accolades. Like, you, with the Oscars are coming up. It's like, you know, half of these performances, you know, when you really do start to see how... I hate this turn of phrase, but how the sausage is made. Um, you do start to see like, oh, that performance was like, a lot of that was editing, you know? And yet actors either get like totally raked through the coals or they get like the highest praise, which is why it can be like tricky to like manage yourself as an actor because you're either like God or you're total trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy to make it think it's about you too, because you're like the one that they, everybody sees, you know. So it's like it, it's you know it's easy to kind of let that ego part take over because like the whole crew for those moments that you're filming is just focused on you. But the second they call cut, it's like not it's not about you at all. It's like all right, set up this thing, set up this thing. You're just a cog in the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. such a blessing too, and mm -hmm. like also, yeah, hard to wrap your brain around. Right. I, I sort of imagine um, movie sets kind of like one of those really old fashioned automatons, you know, where every single piece moves a different piece and then it does something amazing if it's a really good automaton or it could be like underwhelming if, <laughs> if it didn't all yeah. gel together properly. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just goes. Uh. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a it's saying that be like wow yeah. making con that's something that like we dealt with making you know I, i've made like i make content and stuff and one of the things that like you, i realized really early on is the film is only as good as your worst department you know mm. it, like if you can have like four departments that are just knocking out of the park but that you know if whatever costumes just look like super cheap or something like that's it's oh, gonna yeah. stand out you know you could have so it, it really um 
it's 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 really tough that way. Everybody has to work together to make something make something great. This is a bit of a side note, but you just made me think of something. I also run a film festival here in Vancouver. It's called the Vancouver Horror Show Film Festival. Wow. Oh, really? All right. Very cool. We get all these submissions, and like you're saying, it's like you see these pieces of work, and all these incredible, talented people come together, and then the sound sucks, and you're yeah. like, it doesn't none of this matters because the sound is bad I cannot play this on a big screen like I just can't and it's like you feel your heart goes out to like all these like other departments that like worked so hard and this actor that like gave it and you're like this is never gonna see the light of day because that one piece that one cog in the machine put it up for everybody you're right it's heartbreaking but you're right yeah that happens a lot I, yeah I think. yeah a lot Wow. Mm. I mean, that must have, I mean, that must have felt horrible, right? The fact that, that your project is not gonna see, yeah, see the, see, see the light due to someone else, you know, who did the, uh, the uh, yeah, who did wrong the job, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, most, yeah, it must have felt horrible though. So. Yeah. Now, it's, yeah. now moving on here a little bit, tell me, like, do you feel as actors that you were not doing something mini meaningful uh, meaningful enough or like there is a purpose to it i think we talked about this last time i'm sure you talk about it with everybody but i have not watched all the episodes yeah, it's okay. but, um, <laughs> i uh i went through hell and many years of therapy uh feeling a lot of guilt for um choosing to be an actor because i felt it wasn't useful or constructive enough and that I wasn't like in society enough and um I've had to you know come to an understanding that first of all even if it isn't enough a calling is a calling if you want to call it that much um I was sitting with <laughs> a friend of mine who is in like works in software makes a beautiful amount of money per year and I was like wow a good year for me is making 50K. That's a good year. Like, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, I have to really like this for that to be, you know, me feeling good. Like, and hopefully that's not the limit, but it's interesting. I don't think if this wasn't at least feeding my heart and feeding my soul and hopefully being of use to other people, because I know that film and TV and theater is of use to me then I wouldn't do it for such shit money. Do you know what I mean? Like, not mm -hmm. that people think of actors or, you know, as, they think of us making no money or tons of money. Like there's a lot of us making basic ass money in the middle. You know what I mean? So it requires a passion that I think is, I think anybody working in their passion, as long as not harming anybody else, is probably of aid. Anyway. Well said. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I also think, you know, you're kind of like, you, you're sort of speaking to this idea of like secure your, your own, like, you know, when you're in the airplane and it's going down and it's like, put your own mask on and then you can like help others. And so if you are doing something that feeds your soul, that makes you a better person as you walk through the world, that means that you like treat the Uber driver nicely and, like you know, spread joy in the little ways in which we move through the world, then that is a full stop, I think good thing baseline for all humans um and I would also go a little bit further to say that it is important <laughs> sorry like I know whatever but I do I believe in stories and communication and that's what we're doing and 
And I have personally been impacted by actors, by movies, by plays, by, by art in a way that has changed me to my very core, changed the way that I look at the world, the people I encounter and, 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 and rippled through, you know, probably those, you know, it's all, it, it all does matter. I really believe that. And if, if you are someone that can be a conduit to some, to, 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 passing knowledge on or or communicating a story to even just one person like let's go like this is what what are we here to do if not communicate with each other and connect and and make better mm-hmm. You're here. I, com- I completely agree with you yeah I, I think I only ever feel like it's not enough when other people are making me feel that way um because I again it means so much to me and I know humans humans learn through story like from a very young age we learn through imitation through communication through trying things through seeing things and um i think it's really the basis of it sounds really like airy fairy but it's like the basis of human evolution and change and culture and and um it's interconnected with literally everything that we do, right? Um, from the way our letters look to the, the the color of our pens to like what top you're wearing, you know, um, to how your laptop looks. Uh, mm-hmm. And and like, so art, art is interconnected in everything. And I, I think to say it doesn't mean something to be a participant in creating art and developing art and communicating with people is... Well, it, it's just, I just don't think it's realistic. I think it matters very much. And um, yeah, I, the only the only time I don't think it matters is when I say what I do and someone says something like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's tons of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun all the time. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I would say it matters very much. And I, I never worry. I'm not doing enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree totally. And something resonated really deeply with me is like what Megan said about putting your own oxygen mask on first. And I think the world would be a better place, you know, if everybody kind of did that in a sense. And like, mm-hmm. could you show other people what's possible through following your dreams and doing what you, you know, what you feel driven to do? And the, it, the ripple effect is just un uh like you have it's just uh, you can't even um fathom how much that ripples through the world and how much it changes things I don't think any of us will ever be able to understand that you know just by uh, other people kind of seeing you kind of doing your thing and just you know um and just following these uh you know and just living that that artist life it's um yeah I don't know I agree with with everything there yeah, it's funny this idea that like I'm always even surprised if somebody's seen anything I'm in. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's so separate <laughs> from like a, me as a viewer, and I like I watch everything, and I love television from like all yeah. different types, all different budgets. I love it. I'm obsessed. Yeah, but me as a viewer feels so separate from me as a creator, as an artist. And I kind of like it because I get to have these two relationships. When I see, you know, somebody from like season two, episode seven of Goliath, I'm like, oh my God. And so that's, I can understand that they would have that experience. I just never feel like 
I'm providing that same thing. So that's the work I'm still doing is like unifying that the people I, you know, I really appreciate love, get inspiration from are me also, you know? That's yeah, that you, you make an impact in the same way. Yeah, And I think right? you touched, we've all kind of touched on this, but this idea that like, we are here to like make X amount of money until we die so that we can feel successful and this value that is placed on what we do, which is often zero. <laughs> you know, we work for free so much and it does call into question this idea of like value. What I do is not, doesn't feel like it is valued in that like, you know, my friend who's an investment banker pulls like 300K a year. And like, it's like, how do you rectify that in your, in, in, and, and, and this is a whole other tangent, but it's, it's sort of comes down to this like brainwashing in a sense that we have been taught that that is what we're here to do. And like, I don't think any of us on this call, like really believe that that's what we're here to do. And mm -hmm. so it's sort of like re, um, there's, there's work that needs to be done to kind of like retrain ourselves in terms of what we value and how we value ourselves. Does that make sense? Big time. Totally. Yep. Therapy for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will just drop the mic, but right now I just stuck it so I can drop it. But you know what? <laughs> anyway, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, focusing a little bit on your, yeah, like on your acting. Tell me, like, do you take home your characters? And has that ever affected you in a negative way? Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it happened earlier in my my career more because I was still learning how to compartmentalize. Like now I can leave it. I can leave it over there. It's lighter somehow. I was playing. I don't know if anybody knows this play, but do you know Albertine in Five Times? Um, it's a play by Michelle Tremblay. It's a it's a really great classic Canadian play, and um, it's about this woman, and you see her in five times in her life. And I was playing the time in her life where she becomes very violent with her daughter, and I have this whole monologue. It's very violent and like upsetting, and and I couldn't leave it. I just I couldn't. It it like hung on me for days and days, and made me feel very tortured and depressed and and irritated and just sad and um. And then at that point I went, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be accessing my personal memories or, or that kind of stuff. Cause I couldn't let go of it. But um, as you go through that process, you kind of learn how to remove yourself from the character after a while, your brain kind of picks up and goes, oh, wait, that's a different reality. That's not my reality. Um but that's that's the only time I can think of where it really came home with me. Um, and it's usually something negative if it does come home with me, something really um, viscerally negative or or just gross and awful. Um, yeah, like violence or or discrimination or something like that. Like if a character is doing things like that, that can stick with me. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say a similar thing. I, I, I don't know that I've gotten to where you are. Like, I don't, I'm not great at disconnecting myself from the character, but what I have learned to do is just, you know, I had this commercial shoot that was like really long days and I had to play somebody with um, 
bipolar disorder. It was a lot of crying. And like, of course they're like, Hey, do you want the special eye cream? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to cry for 10 hours a day in front of people in like, because <laughs> like, you know, I'm a professional. And of course, by like day three, I'm like, you know, <laughs> your body doesn't know that that's not real. Your body is like in the trauma response of like what you have to do to put yourself into that place. And so I had to learn how to, um, you know, physically like do things to be like, hey, you're okay. And like put joy back into my body, if that makes sense. Um, because I, I'm not good at what, what, what you were saying, Briar, like about at like disconnecting myself from that that character that is like what I did that day so it's a bit of a trip sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. no I totally agree with you though yeah the, the trauma response I think the one time I can remember this happening I was playing a drone pilot and who accidentally like uh, kills a kid and and the government's like trying to cover it up and and he's like having panic attacks like dealing with them the anxiety of it all and I think that that is the weird thing about acting is like the body doesn't know what's real like you like the body doesn't necessarily know so I was like doing all these like like long takes where I'm like you know like just doing this breathing and like popping like you know pretending to pop pills and stuff and just like freaking out and like waking up in my sleep sweating and screaming like these pretty intense scenes and the only time I ever remember bringing it home was like I think the only time I ever had a like a real anxiety attack was during that shoot <laughs> I was like at night and I literally thought I was gonna have a heart attack I just like woke up and I was like like it, it, it did come home with me and I, I don't know how often it does it probably comes home with me more than I think <laughs> but but I think that's the weird that's the interesting and, and kind of sacrificial thing about acting is like you go through these moments you really do if you're going through it on camera like sometimes you do have to go through it like you do have to go through it, you know, I, I yeah. especially if it's some physical thing, I like, the, you know, you, you go through that thing. And then, and I, I don't even know if I've figured out necessarily the best way to be like, that was just fake body. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. Someone told me once that you have to like do nice things for your body. Like you have to physically force yourself to smile, first of all, and laugh, ah, even if you're stupid, just to like works. physically like, yeah, counter the, the, the negative that you've done. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. I also think there's room to just acknowledge that, okay, I feel like crap about this today and that's fine. <laughs> like let it process, you know, if you're crying all day, then your body needs a moment to be like, I cried all day. I'm going to feel like crap and that's fine. <laughs> just, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And it's normal. Yeah. It, it's funny. I'm, um, I found that, so I, I, I'm sure we all have taken classes and like I did a few years back, um, uh, probably a couple years of Meisner and pretty regularly. And I've done Meisner since I started acting. And if anybody's watching the show and doesn't know what Meisner is, it's an acting technique where the basis is repeating and answering, but you can look it up, Sanford Meisner. Um, anyway. That I think is what I was like, oh yeah, back in the day I would bring home, like I remember playing a stripper once and when you play a stripper, uh, you're stripping in front of, uh, you know, uh, background performers. Um, and I really experienced a lot of shame and a lot of things that um, I can imagine somebody who hasn't made the decision to do that as a, for a job would feel being thrown into that. And I guess I hadn't thought it through. And I remember that sticking with me. And then since then, I mean, I've done a lot of uh, scenes 
if we're going to go into that world of like, you know, nude, sexual, you know, sex, all that stuff, that's no problem for me. And nudity is no problem for me, but also just extreme circumstances, which is what people write stories about, you know, grieving, sadness, mental illness. And um, I did find that going through a regular kind of period of doing Meisner work, of being so used to and encouraged to go up these waves and down and up and down, and then to just detach because the class is over. And like whatever's left over has nothing to do with reality. And I, I thought, oh, is that, is that cheap, you know? And um, I think we're magical beings, you know, and that the more that I spend time working that muscle of, of accessing, you know, human experience, the more my body's like, oh, okay, you want us to do this thing? Okay. Last time we did this thing, it, it turned out okay. We were actually safe afterwards. So I think it would be normal that the first times would be challenging and that over time I'd be like, no, remember we did that last time and we were still okay, you know? But it, again, mm -hmm. it's really that, yeah. It usually takes me an hour if it's a, if it's a big one, if it's a hard one, you know? But mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for for that practice of just like, again, building that trust with my instrument, my emotional instrument, not just the physical instrument. But being like, yeah, we can go here. I mean, it makes me quite easy to access emotions in my day-to-day -day relationships, which I don't know how people feel about that, but I'm like, oh, you know, I feel real fast. And, uh, but I don't think that's, that's a negative. It's just a byproduct. Right. I've always wanted them to do, run like an experiment on an actor and like have a brain scan going and then have them like go through the scenes <laughs> and then, and then, and then go back to themselves and then go back into the scene and then back to themselves and, and to see like, Cause, cause actors are weird that way. We, we learn how to like put it over here and then come back out and put it over here and come back. We don't get confused when we're playing different characters. We still know who we are generally. Do break I think. between takes? Like do you guys break character between takes? I do. Depends. I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Do, you, do you not, though? you hold it? No, fuck but um, I found that most people don't hold it. Like very rarely have I have I met somebody who holds it like the Jeremy Strong style. But um, yeah, no, I I I I don't think that that I don't feel like it hinders. No, and and I I decided early on I made the decision whether it was a good one or not. I was like I don't want to be that actor. Like you know it, whether you know it's great for people that it works for, great. But me personally, I just want to be the actor that can kind of joke around with the crew while they're doing the lighting and like setting up the, the next mark and, and just kind of, not that it's my job to do that, but I just, I just have more fun on set that way where I can kind of just, you know, be a part of the team and then, and then try, I, I you know, I probably um, hindered my work early on actually, because I maybe was a little unfocused, but I, I wanted to develop the muscle to just be able to, okay, all right, rolling. And then just to snap in there, you know, once it's like sound speed and then, then it's like, okay, where am I? What am I doing? And then, I just wanted to learn how to do that quickly because yeah I, I don't you know you can be a mood killer on set I think if you if you kind of just yeah depending on what character you're playing if you're just in it the whole time and somebody has to ask you to move and you're like you kind of killed yeah, I forgot who I heard say this but it was on again I think on a round table and so Dan maybe you'll be like it was this person in this yeah <laughs> uh, um they were talking about they gauge the success of the movie by the success of the shoot. Like how good was the shoot? Was everybody respected? Was everybody allowed to kind of, I think it was on the, 
actors, um, Hollywood access women's um, in a, do you guys remember this? And they were yeah. talking about how it's the quality of the set. Like were people respectful? Did we have a good time? Was there a cohesive environment? Did everybody feel safe to do what they were doing? Was anybody being a, you know, a wet blanket or whatever? And I think that's a really nice way of gauging the success of something. This has nothing to do with the success of the actual project. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, like one of the story, I mean, one of the, for example, the stories that, um, that back that back in the day got my attention was with uh with the case of uh of Heath Ledger, you know, that he gave us the best Joker performance probably, you know, in the whole world. Mm -hmm. And like and like how much that and like how much that character pushed them into, you know. So I, I find that pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, pretty that that the whole creating like this character and performing, it can take you to a very dark place if you know if you don't kind of let it to be like okay this is a character not me i need to kind of uh like distance myself otherwise it's going to consume me and you know but Heath Ledger did not die from doing the joker he died on the following movie of uh an illness because of like not being safe with his sleep and of mm -hmm. being over exhausted and having hypothermia just because and, we associate a lot of it to his mental illness and i don't think i think that's a bit of a spooking mechanism yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I I think he was also he was also like the 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 physicians had not been prescribing him like uh, a safe cocktail of things to manage his illness as well. Yep. So it was it was just like it was a, it wasn't just I mean, I think I think so maybe it was exacerbated by the process a little bit, um but he was getting over it, but I think there's a lot of people failed him mm -hmm. as well. It wasn't just the role itself and it was on a following movie in any event yeah, yeah. that emporium movie the or something imaginarium yeah. of dr Parnassus. oh yeah. yes <laughs> wow but still yeah. i mean I, I would assume that 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 it can take you to those i mean to those kind of uh i mean like probably like dark places but For it, sure. can affect, it can affect your life personally if you're playing this kind yeah. of sick character or you know like uh a character like that basically so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested to know the rest uh, of y'all how you feel about this but I come from a background of theater like I came up in New York theater and part of doing coming from theater is you know and respect that the audience is part of the show right so you've got the the fourth wall as it were and part of your job as an actor on a stage is to share the story with the people in the audience it's why we block certain ways it's why you learn how to project and how to make it feel intimate but actually it's like reaching the last person in in the seat and I think as I've transitioned transitioned more into film and television I've kept that with me in that um you know it's the camera is a part of the scene the set is a part of the scene and like I personally don't don't or very rarely get to a point where I'm like, oh, it's just me and so-and-so having an intimate conversation. Because if if that's, you know, there's a place where those like parallel lines meet and where that blurs and where you, you can, all of these things can be true at the same time. But if I'm just like interested in having a conversation with this person, then I'm not going to be like sharing it with the, you know, I'm not going to be part of the movie in a sense. And so there's this like fine line of like, I I don't like know about getting like lost in a character. I think there's value to like acknowledging that we're on a film set and we're doing a job and that this is all part of it. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I think it's true. Like it's just, it's just factual. So it's like we can, we can, you know, Jeremy Strong stays in character, but he knows he's on set. Right. Like there's no yeah. way he doesn't, or else that's literally being unwell, and that's not what's happening. Um, but I like that you kind of talked about making it, you know, mindful that there's a full group of people in front of this intimate scene where we're in bed naked but it's but you know not always a ton of people when it's that but it's I think um also I'm never in my home without my environment like the Ikea bag that's on the floor over there and like the fact that like I have folded you know napkins to the side of me like I'm never not in my environment completely and so I can't nobody wants to see a non-human experience sure elevated but elevated doesn't mean I ignore my human experience right so I I think that maybe it's interesting where we certain actors or certain folks talk about actors as doing that but I think that if you ask them truthfully it's like we're taught to engage in an environment you know yeah and I think there's a certain amount of technique that you pick up over time as well like yeah, you're having an intimate conversation with a person, but like maybe the angle is weird and you can't look directly at them. You have to look like above them slightly <laughs> there. And like you're aware of an eye line, like you're not going to just, I'm not on set anymore. You know those things because that's that's your job. And that's just the base technical skills that you pick up over time. And then eventually they become second nature. You don't forget about them. But it's kind of like just part of your toolkit. Um, I sort of feel like when when it's really connecting for me, it's like it's like dancing on top of a foundation. Do you know? Like it, that's all there, and you're aware, and you're you're feeling what's going on around you, but you're also focused in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Now, what has been your toughest moment as an actor so far? I can remember. I can remember. I think. I mean, it didn't help. I'd just been dumped as well. Always together. Oh, sure. um, but I moved to Toronto from Montreal, uh, thinking that I would have kind of what you talked about earlier uh, with the gatekeeping. I thought that I would have the same access to jobs that I did in the city where I had gained momentum. Um, my my momentum was very small, but I had gained some. So I figured I'll just transfer over here. I'll be able to find representation, no problem. This will be smooth. This is what I want. And I'm gaining success and people are telling me positive things. Of course it will move right over. And it did not. And uh, I can remember, for me, like it's been more around representation anything and I, I feel this is like a bit shameful to talk about because I'm like oh here I am I'm a person in the world and I'm I work pretty consistently and I feel really proud of the work that I do but like g- getting representation um my agent now is a sweet angel man and I'm really grateful for him but it has been some of the hardest times ever because the feeling of worthlessness that that having to bank on yourself and ask for someone to also bank on you and getting constant no's when I tell you that it's not been, nobody's like, yes, Rebecca. Oh no, I have so many to pick from. That's never been my experience. And I was like, I don't understand. I work. Why wouldn't you want to represent me? And it's like, 
just is. It is what it is. And that, the depression that has put me in over time, and like, obviously now I have more self-worth, but um, that's been hell. Those were the, I can remember two periods, once when I first moved to Toronto, and then when I was switching from my first agent who wasn't very good um, to the one I'm with now. Those dips were because I put all my eggs in this basket, you know? So if it doesn't work out, it's really deeply wounding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine's kind of similar. Um, It also coincided with a move. Uh, I got out of um, sort of drama school here. Um, I went to U of T, which has a very small drama program um, that I went to and I got out and I mean, not a single bite from anyone right no representation at all and I kept being told over and over again oh you need more training you need more training and I kind of agreed with that I did sort of feel like I couldn't measure up to the people who had gone to really lovely schools like like York or you know the the National Theatre School or Ryerson or something like that and um, so I decided I was going to go to the UK and get some training Um, and I remember on the day I had to leave, I just, I don't know what happened. I think my brother was late to take me to the airport. And then I like, I just had a complete meltdown. I had a complete utter meltdown um, about moving to a new country where I didn't have any family, um, being on my own, starting a very intensive acting program um, with nobody I knew. And um and I had to just kind of pick myself up and do it anyway. And I got there and I got through the year and it was fine. It wasn't perfect, but it, the training was great. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but again, it was kind of like starting over. And then, you know, I stayed there for a little while and did some stuff, but then I had to come back to Canada and I've only been back in Canada since COVID started. So it's been kind of like rebuilding again and starting again. And who are you? And now nobody cares that I had training, right? Everyone told me to go get training, go, went and got training, got some experience, came back. It's still kind of like, so what? And um, that, that can be very, very difficult. It can be really difficult. But, but that moment, that one moment going to a new country by myself, that was the hardest, I think, thing I ever did. Um, that was really, really hard. And um, yeah, but it was worth it, I think, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed, yeah. <laughs> um, mine, I guess, the, mine's, mine's like kind of a recent one. Um, I, would, I don't know, if, you know, this question is hard because we go through so many like mini heartbreaks every week. Like every week I get my heart broken at least once. And if I don't, it's Christmas because everything's shut down. Um, but uh, but so there's a lot of that, and I'm a writer too, and so I get my heart broken on another level as a writer as well. But during COVID, you know, when self tapes were really kicking off, and suddenly we're auditioning so so much, or at least I was over here, and it's like they're seeing a million people, so you're auditioning exponentially more often and getting much less jobs. And I'd been on like hold after hold after hold. I'd been fired from the last commercial that I was on because the the child that they'd hired to play my daughter got COVID. 
Um, so it was just like totally happenstance. I hadn't worked in like longer than it had I'd ever not worked. And it was COVID and I was poor and it was just the pressure of, you know, whatever. And I booked this job and I'm like, okay, great. I I went in, I knew I like this, this part was mine. I booked it. I had them laughing. It was like, yes, okay, check marks. Um, as we're like getting to like first day to go to my like wardrobe, I'm like not hearing from the production. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? Talk to my agent. Well, I don't know, you should be hearing. Long story short, at like 11 o'clock that night, I finally get a call from like the assistant of somebody who's like voice is trembling and starts crying on the phone with me to be like, you're not in the commercial. You're not, you don't have the job anymore. And I was like, I'm like consoling her on the other end of this this phone to be like, oh, thank you for telling me like, da, da, da. and I got off that phone call and I was just like, what the actual, <laughs> like, it was just <laughs> after everything that was like the last straw. And I was like, what a, what a industry where like, you know, shit rolls downhill and like actors just, you know, either get treated like gold or get treated like total trash. And that was my second firing in like the, in like, after you know never being fired as an actor before and then suddenly in like three months I'm fired twice and I was like oh. <sighs> hard to pick yourself back up after those mm -hmm. yeah yeah I you know I, I I was like thinking about telling like just a stage horror story or something but you got us so personal so like I guess <laughs> you know I, I think this um this one is more recent and it was basically yeah right after like film sets started coming back and I I, it was a commercial actually. I booked this big commercial, huge company with a like an A-list celebrity, and 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 it was um and I was really excited about it. I was like, yeah, I get to be back on set and I get to like do this thing. And and we 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 I went to set and I just I just, like you know those days where you just know you killed it, where everyone's just like clapping and they're just like, oh, you rocked it. Like their whole entourage was like, you were freaking amazing, man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like I, I just couldn't wait because I kind of got to be the punchline of this whole commercial spot. And and it was and I just couldn't wait for it to come out. And then it, like I guess like a couple months later, I just get a get a message be like, yeah, the, they just scrapped that commercial. They it basically like for them, it's like deleting a TikTok, I guess. Like these big companies, and I'm just like, no, like this happens so you know, like whether you get cut from a scene that you're excited about, and it's never usually it's never your fault either. It's always just like they just needed to time it a certain way or something, or who knows how that commercial turned out or why it got cut. I, I don't necessarily think like that, but. It's just it, it really is disappointing because that was like the first big one back and I was just like this is gonna be so awesome once it airs everywhere and it's gonna be so cool to have this footage with this person and it was you know um that though that's a bummer you know but but like you said there's there's many heartbreaks every week I'm also a writer too and I, I you know it's it's similar but different too with with that when you have to mm -hmm. you know as they say kill your babies and you know change a whole script that you feel so passionately about but but um yeah, a whole different, a whole different chamber in your heart that you didn't even know could break. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Something you invest in for like a year, and then they're just like, oh, just, just change that part, and it's like, but, but that's the whole. And then it's like, no, you got to just take that out. So like, yeah, it's so nonchalant. But you know, that's the, that's the part. I think the life of an artist is, you know, I don't have any big one moment, but a lot of those little moments throughout the career that you just got to get used to. And like how you like. How you've managed to handle like to handle that uh, that feeling because it happened it has happened to me uh, a few times now I mean a few times not anymore but back back when I started it used to happen it, it, it used to happen a lot the fact that I will interview this actor or actress and then I will be like oh I will 
focusing back then, I was focusing exclusively only on IMDb. My problem was that I didn't realize until later is that sometimes they will, as you mentioned, I like would uh, cut them off, you know, from this production. They, there was this actor who appeared in Mother Family with the whole cast, everything. It was a great scene. He was excited about. And then uh, when I asked him about that, he told me he, that that he got cut off. And the problem was that he invited all of his family friends so they can enjoy the episode and everything. Oh, yeah. And then oh. the episode was he was cut out. And then everyone was oh. asking him, like, like, where, like, where were you? So, like, how yeah. you handle, like, how you manage to overcome that situation and be like, yeah, okay, whatever, and just move forward. I just ran into someone last week. Um, this is just a small thing, but and I'd been cut out of a commercial a couple of years ago. And I just ran into this guy that was in the commercial with me and we were like, oh, hey, great to see you. And then as he's leaving, he's like, oh my God, that commercial just paid. Like he was like, he's like that. Wow, that was a little gift that got me through the last couple of years. And I was like, I just swallowed it. Like I didn't have to tell him, like I didn't see any of that. Oh no. That's, That's awesome. funny. I've been I've been the asshole on the receiving end of the money and being like, oh my god, our commercials out. And they're like, yeah, no, they cut me. I was a background performer. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but I've been I there's a show called Blood and Treasure that was shooting years ago in Montreal, and I had one of the most fun parts, like wigged action shooting running stilettos blah 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 explode they blew up a van we ran out late it was amazing and it was like the the backstory of probably let's call him number seven on the call sheet you know what i mean so not the main top four number seven backstory why is he a villain i'm the queen of villain backstories um <laughs> and it was amazing it was amazing. And I remember I did, you know, like those small accomplishments It's you know, we had a scene where we were intimate and I was able to stay fully present during that scene. And I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm connected. Cause sometimes like when I was younger, I'd freeze up, I'd get nervous, but I was connected. It was, it was great. I had, I was comfortable. Anyway, I was blonde. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and when it came to watching the episode, the amount of times I scanned through the episode slowly to see where my part was and it was all gone all gone the entire guy's backstory was gone the amount of fucking money they wasted they blew up a van in the middle of the old port Montreal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this can't be about me i can't have been so bad that they threw all that away so it's just too bad because i was like can i get that footage though and they're like no we didn't edit it we're gonna use it anyway it's really disappointing but um yeah, it's just it just baffles me that productions can afford this kind of mistake, you know. And it's what's so cool about streaming now is that they no longer have the constraints of a you know a, a forty minute allowance because of commercials on network. So I'm just like, mm -hmm. we've lost. We've it's I find that there's less lost now that shows don't have to obey a certain amount of time. Do you know what I mean? Is that do you guys find mm -hmm. that as well? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I got cut from Handmaid's Tale and I got like a bunch of people watching it and it was like 
Aww. some people still watch it to this day, which is great. You know, they're fans of it now, but they're like, the, you know, that was that was one where I learned early on. It's just like, you don't just don't tell people until it's out. You know, it's just like, because <laughs> yeah. you cause found you, your scene. Yeah. Until you find your scene, the second you find it, then it's like, hey, everybody, <laughs> I was in this. But uh, until then, you just can't know. But I'll, from a producer standpoint, actually, because I just made a feature that I wrote and acted in and everything. But there was so, a, a whole sequence that was probably some of our most expensive stuff at the beginning that we cut completely and it was really hard to do to make that decision but it was all about story it was not even about the the actors were amazing everything was great these people came out and gave their hearts and souls for like a couple days and um it really wasn't about um that at all it was literally about okay the story and we were doing test audiences and it was kind of like it was a little convoluted and it just made things a little bit too complicated Mm -hmm. so we just simplified it and a lot of the time that's what it comes down to too is like people will watch it in the edit be like oh that was maybe a writing mistake that could have been caught but didn't that it's just like oh this just doesn't quite make as much sense as if we cut this out we don't even need it you know what i mean so that i think that happens a lot too and my my, my handmade thing was a backstory thing too so i think they probably just decided they don't need that backstory they're like it's better if we don't show that villain's backstory you know maybe it's just more mystery or or something like that i don't know yeah, I think a lot of the times uh, you can't tell what's going to work on film until you film it. Mm. And you can't tell what's going to be necessary, what's going to tell the best story until you're editing. Totally. And it might seem super important right up until that moment. And you go, oh, got to cut it. And and I don't think it's anybody's. You can't point at someone and be like, you, <laughs> it's your no. fault. It's just... It, it I the name of the game. People who are cut for being trash, though, like, and that's real. That's got to well, yeah. Gotta have oh sure. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. it happens. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it happens. But uh, even another one recently. This is a short one, but um, it was another feature that one of the like my this heartfelt monologue. That's the arc of my character. The whole that whole scene. Like I made the feature still because, but that whole scene got cut, which, uh, and it was a technical thing. It was because they did this super crazy camera move that was all they had to green screen a bunch of stuff and it was like they got like one shot you know where they have to lock it in and i talked like i know the director so i was just talking to her about it and she was like like we love the scene but we just couldn't do it because the technical aspect of it didn't work (laughs) you know so sometimes it's just that or the sound just or maybe sound they could always adr but but yeah certain things like maybe it's just out of focus and they're like ah shit yeah Can we just take a minute? You just finished a feature film that you wrote and directed and acted in. I didn't direct it. I I I I co-wrote it and I acted in and uh, yeah and uh, and it's thank you thank you. I might I might submit it to your festival. It's a survival thriller, so send it my way. It's called Walking Supply. Ah, thank you, (laughs) thank you you for the plug. It's yeah about a a couple guys. We break out of a prison and then I find out the only reason I was brought along. We have to travel thousands of miles through the wilderness. And I find out the only reason I was brought along is in case they need to eat, um, <laughs> you know. So it's 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 like an intense survival thriller, and I'm really excited about it. It was it's been seven years. Just just like I I I'm a huge believer in making our own content. Dan and I talked about this when when I was on the show earlier, but you know it's been seven years in the making. We did the short seven years ago. We did the feature. We had so many ups and downs where we kept on getting shut down, or we'd almost be filming it, and then it would be like, no, you can't. And and then finally, it just all the stars aligned, and we filmed it like last year in the dead of winter. Went to Alberta, Ontario, did a bunch of yeah. 
but it's. Like, uh, I can't believe you you're you that you did that with Doug. Doug is my coach and my sweet I, angel. That's you see, so Doug is like probably yeah one of my top coaches of life. He he he's taught good, me so great. much. I, I I didn't know that he was your coach as well. I yeah. I've learned so much from him, and he co-wrote it with me. Like we wrote it together. I know. I just saw with Derek. I putting things up about it but i've never connected that your name was on it that's amazing yeah no he's he's been on the journey since the short we did a he acted in it seven years ago we brought him out it was just a co-op at that time and we auditioned him he i I was i was his camera op at armstrong i was like his little god you were i I was his little minion i just sit beside him and listen to everything he said and i'm like you're a genius doug and then and then you know all of a sudden now we're acting together and writing together and he's he's really just a plug for doug nyback this is the doug nyback uh, hour here <laughs> but yeah no i i love that guy and um yeah, yeah yeah he's he's really good in this too he's he's uh yeah he did a great yeah. job congratulations nonetheless thank you, you. thank yeah. you thank you but it, i you know i guess the point of the, like my long rant is it's just it was a freaking long journey that i didn't expect it to be like a seven year plus and we're just getting started with festivals now so probably by the end of this it's gonna feel like you know nine <laughs> nine years ten years to, to bring this thing to fruition, which is, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's, that's badass. All right. Now, you know, something that got my attention recently is, um, I saw this interview that I did to, that they did to Brendan Fraser and he was, uh, he was going to play this villain of a new Batgirl film that they were going to release, but it got canceled. So the film was never, is never going to be out and everything. And yeah. in, that, in, the, in that interview, he was mentioning that they record the whole thing, the whole action scenes, the, the explosions and uh, the whole, everything was recorded, but it never got to see the light of it. So I must assume that, uh, that it's, that it must have been, I mean, that it feels strange, right? That you give your best performance on something and then you were not there or, or, or perhaps the perform or perhaps like the whole project is never going to see the light of it. So, yeah. The whole movie got deleted. Like it was just a draft Everything. in their Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably a 30 million, six, probably close to a hundred million dollar movie. It's wild. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Now moving on here a little bit. Tell me, tell me guys, if you couldn't act, what would you pursue? I'd, I'd be a novelist. I'd be a writer. I think either that yeah. or graphic design, like animation, something to do with video games. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. I I am a writer. I'd be a writer. And I think I would get into psychology. I think that acting is like mm. really scratching like a psychology nerve. It's like humans, man. I'm so into it. Right. Yeah. On. Yeah. I think I, you know, obviously like writing, directing, producing, but I kind of do that already. So I'll, I'll give you another example. I think if I wasn't fully in on this, I'd want to be a comedian. Um, that, that's I respect that art form so much, but I'm just like I, I too much stuff to go on to like master to try to master that craft. But I, I just respect that you know it's just them and a mic, and they're and the, and they just have to get up in front of a crowd and live or die by their like it's just totally you you know. And I I just respect the bravery that it takes to do that um, night after night and like fail live time in front of people. <laughs> like you know I, I'd want to do that I think. Yeah. Terrifying. I did that one time in high school because we had like a unit where we had to get up and do like comedy special for like 10 minutes. Oh my God, it was so brutal. It was the worst. <laughs> I will yeah. never, I'll yeah. never put myself through that again ever. Oh, Longest 10 minutes of your life? Oh my God. It was like, 
you know, like when you get really mortified and your entire body goes like your heart kind of sinks and then your breathing gets short and then your legs start to go like, oh, and then you feel, you feel white hot, just white all over your body. And it's like chills. It's so <laughs> it scary. 10 minutes. Did you write it know. all? Did yeah. You, write- you had to oh. write it yourself. So they <sighs> were your own jokes. Oh, and you're like 15 years old and the high school bullies are sitting in the front row. Like, oh, that's that's oh, that's, that's, abuse. that's abuse. Yeah, that's abuse. That's terrible. Terrible unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not cool. That's yeah. not cool. They should never do that to yeah. people. But yeah. any good comedian says you got to bomb. Like you literally have to yeah. bomb like hundreds of times before you even get good. So I, that to me is just you get up there. And, Mad respect. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. To get to. to yeah. Mad respect. They're a special breed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, you, you will hear some pretty crazy, funny stories from comedians when they were recently started. That, for example, Kevin Hart once he got through a chicken wing to his to his cheek, you know, or things like that, <laughs> you know, or like, uh, or yeah, or like for that uh, that Jamie Fox did a, a joke on Mike Tyson, and then when he threw it out, everyone was quiet, and then someone says Mike Tyson is in the room. <laughs> and I think like that in which, in which in which yeah I would assume that it's that is super scary yeah it's definitely a total breed there oh. a totally different breed there yeah and, and the difference oh between doing God. a joke I know this is the comedy podcast but like you could do a joke one night that just hits because you get the timing perfectly and then you do a joke the other night and everyone's just like it, it just doesn't quite hit and it like and it, and it just turns the room against you like it's it's just such a fine art form that I yeah, I don't know. I respect it deeply, but yeah, I don't think yeah. I don't think I. That's another life. Yeah, so, something like like that could re- relate a little bit on that. It's for example, DJ. I mean, I used to perform on bars and clubs here and there, and it's and it's the exact same thing. I mean, you can't play the same songs every every night. You can't. You need to. You need to play. You know, play with people to see like where can we like where can you go here and there because if you, if you play the same thing over and over, yeah, it's not gonna cut it. And then once like when you see people running out of the dance floor and sitting you're like oh crap I'm doing a horrible job so well anytime something's live right it's the energy in the room that audience it becomes this like thing that is living and breathing and so if you're just trying to like regurgitate something it's the same with with theater if you're trying to just like hit something that you did last night that really worked but you're ignoring the energy in the room and you're not like actually present for this particular performance and this particular collective of audience members, then you're going to, you're going to trip a little. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why I don't, yeah. I don't do interview lives anymore, but anyway, that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it, it is challenging and it is, it is tough, especially if you are, especially if it, like, once you realize there are like 500 or 600 people like tuning in at that exact moment, you're, you're like having the interview. I mean, it is super challenging because even though you know that they're watching, you need to be like, I mean, or example, that that was what I was telling myself every single day. Be super careful in what you say, but most important, don't look nervous, you know, or think like that. So yeah, it's super scary and and, and tough. Yeah. So. Have have uh, any of you all ever done like live television, like an interview or something? This, no. The closest I can think of what that feels like, because it is like the train has left the station. Like we're we've got five minutes, and we're and this needs to be said, and like it's just like it's such a rush, but it's it's pretty scary. Yeah, kind yeah. of. It wasn't really like um, it was in university. For some reason, I got picked to be on the Stephen and Chris show, 
Do you guys remember that show? It was on CBC for like vaguely, for vaguely. years. Um, and it was a live segment. It was called Good to Go. And it was about this book they were writing for kids who had just gone to university who didn't know how to do laundry and things like that. Like, is your kid good to go? And um, it was a live taping. And they wanted to interview us for some reason. We were like sitting in the front row and it was live. And Good to go what though? Like good to go? Good to go. Like good to go to university. Oh, okay. They okay, were, got it. They got were it. finding that a lot of people um, go to university and don't know how to do basic things. Like, oh, yeah, that was me. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, how do I know when the bacon's done? You know, like. <laughs> yeah um yeah I think they asked me um what would you do if you have a, a piece of clothing with like a rip in it and I was like I mean if it's like a sock I guess I'd just throw it out but if it's something nice probably sew it up and that was like a surprising answer because I think they wanted me to be like oh I don't know oh, God. <laughs> I'm young and dumb you know kind of turns out you were good to go I was good, good, to go. good to go. Yeah, that sounds so good to go. So condescending. <laughs> just like, yeah. Do you know what you do if your clothes rip? Like, what, what kind of question is that? If you're like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now moving on here, tell me, is there a film that you saw recently that has changed your way of thinking about something? Hmm. I know. Um, I. Oh yeah, go for it. You go first. You go no, first. No, you go first. I got. I got I went one. First, last time. <laughs> okay, okay. I like this. We're we're so generous with our uh, our you know time here. Um, I, I saw what it, what was it called? The Triangle of Sadness. Have you has yes. anyone seen that? Yes. Holy Wait. crap! Did that like? It's just it really like. I mean, I always kind of knew the idea that like you know once you have power it's like it's kind of diff you don't want to give it up because there's just so much benefit to the you know so the people in power like they don't want to give it up right and um and it's obviously like a a very fascinating kind of story that's told really creatively about i guess capitalism and classism and like all these different like levels and layers and like the the, the workers and i don't want to spoil anything for anybody so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil the movie but it's definitely worth watching but it's this just this idea that like it just really hit home for me. Like it was done so beautifully where I was just like, it just shows you so well, like, you know, once you're at the top, like you, you're not going to want to give, you give it up. And it just really lays out very simply, like what kind of, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, it, it just kind of hit, hit home on a different level than, than anything I've ever seen before. And it's, uh, yeah, it's mm -hmm. done really well. The performances are really subtle and uh, I, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I don't want to say. I think I'd spoil it too much if I said it, but that that particular movie is definitely worth uh, checking out because it's it, it it I guess it changed the way I viewed the world a bit, um, but I uh, in, in in some ways for sure it, it definitely affected me as a piece of art, and I was like, this is this is next level. Mm -hmm. I totally agree, and also yeah. just to piggyback off of that structurally, the way that and without spoiling too much, the structure of that film. Mm bit of a clue in the name <laughs> um but it takes you on these twists and turns and really like just yeah. it changed the way I thought about like filmmaking and storytelling I totally. also loved the subject matter like everything you said like 100% and then on another level just in terms of the structure and the filmmaking of it all it was really cool I, 
I didn't even touch on that, but I agree. Yeah, the structure of it was also a whole other level. Like the the production, yeah, just to say what's possible because we get stuck as writers in these save the cat and beat sheets and all these things, and and it, it just totally takes you under. It changes the, the genre of the film like three times, yeah. and it's like, I mean, that's incredible. That's you don't find that in any like kind of writing book, you know? Yeah, cool. I gotta see this triangle of sadness. Is yeah, it's right? nominated for best picture. It. It's nominated for best picture. Watched it. I've seen. I actually want to watch all the best picture nominations this year. I'm three (laughs) away every year. Yeah, Yeah. I I usually I I didn't get to them last year, but I'm like three away. I got. I think I got like yeah three more. But I'm going to do it before the Oscars. Every year I'm like I'm going to watch all of them, and then I like watch one, maybe two. (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair. Um, I think weirdly I haven't seen a lot of movies recently I've seen more tv shows and stuff but the last movie that I saw that was really impactful um it wasn't a narrative movie it was a biopic on Buffy St. Marie um it's called Buffy St. Marie uh carried on she's like Mm. um uh a great uh songwriter and um singer uh and she does She's she's native, native uh, American, and um, it, it's just about her story and about finding her identity because she was adopted um, as a young as a young Aboriginal girl. And um, she sort of had to find her own family um, and figure out who she was. And it didn't um, seismically change um, like my thinking on something like in, in that way, like make a complete you know u-turn or something but it definitely really the movie is a lot about censorship and Mm. the censorship of um native peoples and um women in the industry uh when she was coming up in the industry which was in you know back in the 60s 70s and um just the amount of erasure that she'd gone through and and it, it pointed out some really weird things like um she was on sesame street um she was the first native person on sesame street and um she was like a main character they liked her so much and then her family was on there and then she had a baby on there and she was breastfeeding on Sesame Street? On Sesame Street. <laughs> what? And no one cared. Literally, that's good. No, I mean, that's, that's not, good to not, see. But... Hardly anybody wrote in being like, oh, that's so gross and blah, 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 blah. How could you show that? And and she says, and she was like, nobody cared when it came out. And then years later, they rerun the episode and then people cared. Uh, and it just that's... kind of pointed it out to me that censorship is so dumb yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the bottom line it, it just yeah. changes there's no rhyme or reason to it at all um morality shifts around and and we we it it, it it's so silly it's just so silly um that we we try to control the narrative so much it, it i don't know that that was really it just really brought it to the forefront it's a really great great uh documentary about her career because she she was had made a huge impact um on the music industry but you wouldn't know it because the american government put her on a, a watch list as what? a terrorist what the hell um when she wasn't doing anything uh she was just an artist and they basically erased her from You're the kidding. industry wow. holy no. 
they they they, they they she was banned they they weren't allowed to play her she went from being like a top selling artist to nothing nothing and what was this about mainly do you think the it wasn't the breastfeeding thing it was something it like- was around the time um no it wasn't the breastfeeding that had absolutely not like nothing no. to do with it it was no. um she had written some anti-war songs ah there you go and it That's was right around right around the time yeah. when there was i think wounded knee happened mm-hmm. and um i mean i saw this like a while ago so i might be misremembering but yeah it was uh there was a really anti-Aboriginal movement going on in the government. And she hmm. was, unfortunately, her career was just axed. Wow. And I think it was just really eye-opening, very less changing my mind. I already knew about things like that, but a very eye-opening dr- drove the point home um, that hmm. censorship is stupid and yep. just wow. harmful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Why didn't you? Well, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, a a question that just comes to my mind is, you as an like, yeah, 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 like you guys as an actors, how you manage that? I mean, you get a script, right? You get a script for this project, you check it out, and once you realize perhaps you're gonna, there's gonna be some trouble there, let's say, or like when where you are about to perform, you're like, mm, let's see what happens. Like how you, like how you manage to kind of a. Uh, overcome that or be like okay this is this is what i'm gonna do it might cause that but you know who cares you you mean like a controversial role like controversial something role, yeah like controversial role or a scene or something like that you know yeah i think there's like an intention thing that always it comes back to like whoever you know the filmmaker the writer what's the intention of the piece because mm-hmm. if if i can i can play a villain i can i can get there but it's like, what's the, the, what are, what's the story that's being told at the end of the day? If the story that's being told fundamentally kind of like goes against um, how I, you know, something that I would feel want to put forward into the world, then I think I would like, I would be, you know, a little selective and maybe not, not take on that project. But in the service of a story that, is exciting and that we want to that I want to tell I I'm like let's go let's get into the why I also think it's important that you know there are villains and that we humanize them and tell that story because um it's all part of it's all part of it and 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 it's like actually a great um challenge to to find the humanity in someone who might be perceived as a villain you know nobody's walking through the world being like I'm the worst Everyone True. is the hero of their own story. So if you're doing your work, you can find how you're the that character is the hero of their own story, even if they're not the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great empathy that comes, I think, with being an actor where you, you do have to put yourself in these shoes that you wouldn't necessarily think that way. And um, for me, yeah, there's no real role that I would ever turn down based on like, oh, this person's too evil or anything like that but it does come down to context of story if it's like something super gratuitous and just you know senseless then that doesn't make sense but but if it's like a a really interesting story that i can get behind and try to bring some sort of humanity because that is humanity the darkness and the light and if we just show the light um you'll you know it's almost like you need to show the darkness like you need to bring light to it and you need to kind of 
show those sides for sure to to show what humans are capable of because i mean throughout history very good examples of us being capable of terrible things over and over and over again so we yeah we learn a lot through those stories too and and honestly they're kind of fun to play bad guys too (laughs) you gotta you gotta admit like because you know we go through life so kind of you know polite and courteous and and this so it's fun to just kind of to let out that side a little bit sometimes yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i agree with you i think the only thing that i wouldn't do is if something doesn't serve the story or or if the story itself is uh promoting something that is um harmful to people um if 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 you're playing someone who is um racist or something and the message of that movie is that you're not the villain and that's mm. okay i would never do you mm. know like it, it's very much about context and what you're trying what the movie or the the project is trying to do so i would never do something like that and i would never um do something exploitative like like i have a cousin who was asked to be in the human centipede and that's that's a movie i wouldn't do (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i I don't think i'd do that i don't think i'd go that far either that's i mean that that's like the limit for a lot of actors i think would you want to act as the middle i don't you know (laughs) right Maybe right? I'd be the like, front. I might be. No, I'm just... He wanted her to be the main character. And I was oh. like, and she was like, um, no. And um, I, to me, that would just be exploitative. That's just people being in misery for the sake of having people on screen be in misery. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want to participate in that. I think yeah. that's sad. It's like shock. deeply, deeply upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Shock horror. Yeah. They call it torture porn. You know, it gets corny. Yeah, torture yeah. porn. I don't. Yeah. 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 Like you really have to look at what's the intention, what's the impact. Like what are we Mm -hmm. saying? What are we? What are we doing? And then once you can like tick those boxes, like fun, you know, be so like you're saying, it's it can be so fun to to go there. Mm -hmm. It's also okay to have boundaries too, though. I I I think it, it. if if someone's not okay doing doing nudity or doing something that's that's completely fine like you're allowed to have your your nose definitely um, yeah yeah. Oh. yeah it's okay yeah absolutely yeah otherwise if you i mean I, I would assume that if you do it not wanting to do it immediately like like the whole scene where you appear is not gonna cut i mean perhaps you're not gonna cut it or you're gonna be i mean what i'm saying here is that everybody's gonna notice you know that mm, it wasn't like um you didn't like that you know what i mean yeah yeah and that's that is also why like you know for anybody watching that's like maybe an aspiring actor or something like nudity like riders are so important and um you know so they you basically like have contracts before you do the scene of exactly how much you can show and Mm -hmm. what you're comfortable showing so you can literally like stop the product like take take them to quarter if they if they show more than they say you know because sometimes they're going to be filming more than they say and then they're gonna have to edit yeah. around or whatever but yeah. um uh th- yeah that's why it's really important to know it is really important to know your boundaries because you know th- these mm-hmm. things they go out to the world yeah and the other thing to really watch is safety if mm. you're being asked to do a stunt 
um, and then suddenly you're asked to be do a very dangerous stunt or something you haven't been trained to do or was not in your contract. Yeah, it's okay to be like, I'm not comfortable. I'm not doing that. Yeah, and make and sure it's, it's so hard. Writer, it's hard to it's do so that because there's so no. much pressure on the day because everyone's like, we got to move, we got to move. We only got like one hour of the scene. Hey, do you mind just yeah. jumping off this thing? <laughs> it's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You got to be, you got to take charge. Yeah. Your, yeah. your your safety is not as important as people being happy and loving you all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Yeah. Put yourself yeah, I, first. I actually saw um a real like an A list. I maybe I won't name drop him just because I don't know if you'd want the story up. But I saw him. He showed it on the first day on set. But I saw him take charge so well of the stunt because there's a stunt where he has to fall and everything. And he was just like, how many times are we doing this? Like, he's like, I'll give you one in the wide, but after that, like I'm done. So like, you know, like he, but he was so polite about it, but basically just like knew his limits. He was like, yeah, I'll do this once for you in a wide, but that's all you get from me basically. (laughs) So make sure it's like set up right. And, 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 and then we'll do that. And then that, and then it was like a stunt double. It was just, it was really cool to witness him do it. So like you can, you can take charge and still be like um, a, a good teammate essentially you have to advocate for yourself and have agency and absolutely have boundaries and be able to communicate them and assert them in a way that doesn't make you feel guilty and I think too as I think for women especially that can be really challenging in especially if it's a male dominated set or if it if it does have to do with nudity or anything like that there are there are and I think it's getting better and I I hope it's getting better Mm -hmm. there are times where you know the contract says one thing and then you're being asked to do something in real time and there's a pressure situation and a you know you don't want to be the one that's like stopping you know the time and 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 so yeah it is like so important to be in touch with your agency and your boundaries and I think it's really in the forefront of the news right now because of the whole rust incident. Oof, um, yeah. That's an example of somebody, anybody should have been like, this is, this is not how we yeah. do things. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it doesn't happen enough on sets to be honest. I'm yep. sure you've seen it. I've seen like, you know, it's, yep. it's one thing to say it, but then when the clock's running out and the sun's going down and you have like a half an hour left, it's it's easy to kind of get complacent, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, yeah. I do Be believe that there is that there is some uh, that they're kind of uh, um, changing like a little bit of that. I once interviewed an intimacy coordinator. Basically, what mm. she does is that for the sex scenes, she will coordinate them before. Be like, okay, this is how we, this is how we're gonna do it. Are you gonna mm-hmm. do this? You know, like she coordinates everything. And one of the things that she was telling me is that she wants to make sure that during the scene, everyone feels comfortable to it. You know that 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 everyone is agree on that everyone is is uh is good good to go they know what to do where to go and that's it in order to prevent those type of situations that later on you're like they release more on that or why they or why they put that when i said no you know things like that so yeah 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 now what is yeah let's say that you guys one day you could change one thing right now about the film industry what would it be and why what, yeah, like what thing could you change right now? Well, Briar, I think you hit on something that's big earlier in our conversation, which is the gatekeeping. And I don't mm. know how that looks in terms of changing, but it is such a thing on, at every level of this industry. And so I guess I guess what I would want to change is, is that sort of, you know, it feels like the keys to the kingdom rest in the hands of like very few people. And 
I, I just would like to change that. I would like different people. I would like more diversity in, in positions of power and more diversity initiatives in terms of like what, what is getting greenlit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I would just say the gatekeeping. I, I think there's a real club, an old boys club happening and I, I want to tear it the hell down. <laughs> yep. I feel I feel like on the topic of gatekeeping, one thing that just bugs me so much is that like, you know, just because I'm getting into creating my own content and producing and writing and everything, it's it's this hush hushness about the budget. And I and I understood this is the one thing I would change because it, it just it would make lives so much easier if we could all just be honest about what a film cost. Cause nobody is honest about it. It's like mm-hmm. it's like impossible to find realistic budgets of anything, and you're trying to com- do comparables, and you're like, I gotta pitch this, and you ask somebody, like even a producer, like, hey, how much? What, how much was it? They're like, oh, we can't tell you. It's like this like real hush hush thing, and 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 even with our our film, like we're not allowed to like say what the budget is, you know, for different reasons. But it's like, um, I just wish it wasn't like that. I wish we could just be like, hey, it was you know made for this, and and I guess part of it is you're they're trying to sell it for more maybe, and and part of it is. Um, I don't, I don't even know. It's just very hush hush. Even in the distribution side of things, it's really hard to get like concrete numbers of like, how much did this really make? And, and, and it just makes me wonder about trust and residuals and, and, and where, you know, it just would be really nice if that was just all more of an open book. Cause I think that there's some clever producing going on sometimes. And I would like to, you know, um, I would like to, to bring light to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I'm sort of wondering how to phrase this. I, I, I think um, the thing I would change is I'd like there to be less Hollywood dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to share the love around a little bit more uh, for international film and and uh, Canadian film and uh, all of that. And connected to Hollywood dominance, I'd really love to see some normal looking people in <laughs> big films. Like not everybody has to be a model to be working, um, mm. but that's kind of what we see. And even today, like look at look at all the actors who are. I mean, they're wonderful actors, um, but everybody is so beautiful, and um, I think it's an unrealistic standard. And Hollywood is very dominant, and Marvel is everywhere, and uh, big blockbusters are everywhere, and that's what most people know, and that's what people see, and what they think is normal. And um, I would just like to see a regular person um, acting and mm. being talented and having a place in film, more places mm. in film, because there's so many people who don't look like um, a CW actor and are so talented and don't get called in or don't get that role because they're not, I don't know, like super skinny and wrinkle free and, 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 and I think it is changing a little bit, but um, not enough in my opinion. I would love to see more Olivia Coleman's. Yeah. Especially in the indie scene. And I think it's changing a a lot because, because, you know, there's just a lot of interesting, these like indie kind of character studies that, that are happening, but yeah, I, I don't think maybe as as much necessarily in Hollywood. You know, yeah. I don't think I'll I, I don't think I'll be playing like Spider Man anytime soon. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but you know it's true. I do 
for example, that is one of the things that I had that I mentioned in one of my episodes before that um that I remember that back back when I was a kid, you would never hear of uh, of indie films that you will see on the cinema. You were all always gonna see the Hollywood one, the big blockbuster ones. And then when I started this whole platform, it was I mean, even till this day, it's hard for me sometimes whenever I want to see either a project from an actor that that that, that either that that I'm gonna interview or I have interviewed before. You know, even even to this day, it's hard to find those type of projects. I mean, the big the big ones you will find it like that. I mean, you can go to HBO, Disney Plus, you name it, right? But finding like the, like the indie ones are is super hard. And when you watch them, as I, as I have said, I mean, some of them are really cool and really like really well made. And I would appreciate that too, that they can, that 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 those per, like those performances and those projects as well get the chance to see the light to more people, you know. Which I do think that maybe they're doing that a little bit more, but there's still a long way to it. For for example, uh, also with your with uh, with European cinema, same thing here. Back when like here in Mexico, we will. I mean, it was super rare to see a European film. You were always gonna see the Hollywood one. So yeah, I can't stand that. Mm. think about like the budget of a marvel movie and like if you were to shave off a small percentage of that budget could make 10 amazing indie features <laughs> you know what i mean like right a tiny oh, perfection that they might not even feel it's just like it's very it's the one percent situation yeah. yeah yeah which i do think that that is why some which yeah like that is why some people don't think that there are not many actors around you know um so, like with this thing has happened too that when I say that I that I interview actors the first thing they they will they will tell me like oh have like have you interviewed like Chris Hemsworth or you know like someone like big a one I'm like no I mean I would I would do it at some point but right now I'm just interview everyone that I can hear because there's this huge ocean there's there's this huge amount of actors around that they perform they do like, amazing things but yet again I mean there's no um like there's no like there is not a lot of, enough light so more people can know about them, you know? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I was talking to a producer, um, a, this person I know, um, and she was uh, saying, why isn't there somewhere to go to watch all the indie films? Why isn't there a Netflix just for indie films? Like, hmm. how, how do I watch all these amazing Canadian films that are <laughs> being made that I know they're being made, but they're like at a festival and then gone, yeah. right? And where do you watch time. them? Like, and the average person, yeah. like grandma down the road doesn't know that there's TIFF Lightbox, okay? So like, <laughs> how do yeah. we how do we bring that forward and make it more accessible and and make it more, um, more of an obvious uh, thing for people to enjoy and participate yeah. in? Yeah, and even if you had to pay something, uh, you know, like a monthly subscription, like, the other streaming services i would be i would be fine with i'd be like yeah sure you know yeah i mean we have we have uh, a netflix for history history channel stuff and we have netflix for like costume design and um yeah. but we don't have netflix for for indie films yeah i think there's some channels that i really enjoy like ifc like the independent yeah. you know that, that they put on really they have really cur interesting curated stuff but yeah it's um but yeah, as far as like a streaming service goes, not that I know of. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I haven't seen that. Crave is, I guess, Crave Canada puts on some cool like indie, like Canadian content because they have to because there's like the law, you know, they have to put a certain amount of yeah, of, yeah. of Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, nothing like just for that. 
And yeah, it's a, right. it's a more complicated puzzle, right? Because because the marketplace is so saturated, because we have all these, we have so many. How many like Marvel movies come out in a year? I can't even. I have yeah. no idea. But it's like. Yeah. Then you've got your independent films and of course there's no budget for the marketing and there's no like you know so it's like then you 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 have this saturated marketplace and you've got you know something being shoved down your throat from like ads and star power and however else it's like coming into your consciousness of course like a passive viewer is going to be like oh I've heard about that I want to see that like when you don't have the, the marketing dollars to put that behind something independent that like you know, might be a better movie, but it's never going to see the light of day because we were so saturated with all of this, like, you know, all these huge movies all the time. It's like a really, it's a, it's a tricky puzzle to solve. Even if you did have the, uh, the platform, which is a great idea. It's like, where does the money come from to like, then make that the thing that people click on? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Like the whole marketing they put on those films. I mean, not only the ads, but the, I mean, the merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, toys, you know, like all of the, like all of the merchandise they put on that. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. So yeah, it would, it would be good if they can, as I said, at least like, like here in Mexico, there is no, there is no way to actually find indie film. You need to watch on, I mean, you need to really dig on the internet that perhaps you will find it. But even then, I mean, it's, it's, it is one of the things that I still struggle even to this day that whenever I want to talk about a project, it's super hard or, or if I find it, I'm super lucky or sometimes they will uh, either the actors or the directors, they will give me like a, a like a, a release on that so I can watch it on my own be like, OK, it's cool. Now we can talk about it. But I would appreciate they can show more like they can show people that there is more stuff to watch instead of the typical ones, which they're fine, of course. But more stuff, you know, that there is more indie here. There's more stories here that perhaps they don't have this huge sci fi um you know, scenes or this huge budget, but the whole script and the acting is pretty cool. So, you know, the coolest thing about being alive right now, though, and I, and I think that this is, yeah, I, I'm kind of an optimist in the sense of like, holy crap, do we live in a cool time? Because the internet's a thing, right? And yeah. um, you can organically, if you do it right, and it's not easy, it's not freaking easy at all. But if you if you do it right, you can you can spread organically to the entire earth <laughs> like you if, if you if you figure out your own and that's where i think a lot of indie filmmakers um make a mistake and and i'm just like this is my first feature so i'm like we're, we're talking a lot about this we're in the we're talking about it right now um where like the mar we're not going to just leave the marketing up to the distributor once we sell it it's like no you, then all of a sudden you're just you're just leaving it into their hands it's almost like just getting an agent and then never working on your acting you know it's like you just it so i think that part of our job as if we're filmmakers and if we're content creators and stuff is to add that time. It maybe if you don't have the money for it, the time to just, to just get the word out, whether it's just making reels or posts and sharing with people and like just sharing your trailer and, or just coming up with some sort of clever organic marketing campaign, like some TikTok that people just, just picks up or, and, and a lot of it will, will, will fail, but like, but figuring out like, it is kind of cool. Cause we do live in this time where like we can organically just, you know, um, spread the word. And, and if you do it right, like the, I, I, there was this cool story about, did you see that girl? And she posted about her dad's book on TikTok. Like she did oh, yeah. like a, a 20 second yeah. TikTok about this book. He, yeah. he spent like 20 years just having it on the shelf. Nobody ever bought it. And she just said, Hey, my dad wrote this book 20 years ago. And, 
and it's it's something about like you should read it or something and then all of a sudden it was like on the yeah. number like it was on the top 10 list bestseller yeah just because of the little tiktok yeah um, like we got to think like like marketers now too which is annoying but as an act it's annoying to do all these like 100 jobs <laughs> but but yeah. it's like as actors we got to think like marketers as film you know as content like it's just like we got to think like marketers and and learn about marketing too I, maybe that's another yeah. job i do in another life marketing mm-hmm. already yeah. doing it yeah, already doing it already, already doing, doing it. it i guess yeah i guess so <laughs> when you're an actor you do it all <laughs> you're so right we're, we're video editors we're lighting designers yeah. um we're yeah. voice artists we are <laughs> marketing yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah publicity whatever you want yeah. it's so the- true one of the films that got and uh, yeah that could be as an example of the whole marketing was terrifier 2 and you know that film james what was it terrifier 2 oh uh, yeah 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 we yeah. We, geek, we geeked out about this last time yeah, right? yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah it's a crazy horror crazy yeah, good horror film yeah that that not for, the, not for the faint of heart though it's it's extreme no. yeah it's super extreme <laughs> and uh what got my attention was the whole revenue that that film have later on because yeah. someone decided that it, that it was a cool idea to show a, a like a sneak peek on that on that specific scene then everyone was like where can i watch it where can i watch it where can i watch it and yeah it was genius mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that movie did so well like considering like compared to the budget it's mind-blowing how well it did we we played it at vancouver horror show this past year and i'll tell you it was the fastest thing to sell out it was like we didn't even have to market it at all it was just like yeah. the tickets were gone it was one of the most fun I've had in a screening in a crowd probably in years. Cause I, you know, I like seeing those kind of wild ones where you kind of experience something together, even though like yeah. it's, it's really violent and just insane, but it's so over the top. So you just, I just sat in the middle of this crowd and, and it's just one of those movies is just like, everyone's yelling at the screen. Oh my God. Like, you know, we're just all like, we're just going through something and it was just fun and uh, we're laughing and like, Oh, this is crazy. Cause it's just so over the top. But you're trauma bonding. You're basically that's kind yeah. of what it is in a sense. But there's something therapeutic about it. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I interviewed the actress who was in that scene, and she told me that she couldn't ever expect how, like, how people would react to it. That it was amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and and th- those stories exist, you know. So that's just cool to know. It's yeah. it's obviously few and far between, but like you know, Blair Witch Project, what they made that for like 20,000. And then they, I, the marketing budget, like that's the myth. Like they put, I think a hundred thousand, 200,000 in the marketing after that, mm. but, mm. but they made it for really cheap. Um, Terrifier too. They made it for really cheap. And then it made like 30 million, like it like 30 times its budget, like just from word of mouth. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool that we live in that time where, where yeah. it, something can catch fire and you're just like, wow, it can take on a whole new life. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Now, my last question here is, if you guys could describe, yeah, if you could describe this episode, which is did on a film, how could we call it? Trauma bonding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trauma bonding. Perfect. Trauma bonding. Yeah. I'm going to put that on fits. the title. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put it on, on yeah. the title of the video. <laughs> actors travel bonding yeah (laughs) yeah that's pretty funny yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. we could call it triangle of sadness and And douglas nyback i like that 
I like that. I mean, yeah. At the end, what can I say, guys? I mean, I love, I love what you do. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And the fact that you are keep doing it, you keep creating here. I mean, I know it's not easy, but you are doing it, and that is super badass. I mean, I know that. Uh, I mean, yeah, all of the actors that I've interviewed, you guys are super badass because you are showing everyone that it doesn't matter where you're from or what your language, you can get things done. And no matter how, yeah, how bad things might be, there's always a way to find an opportunity to keep pursuing your dreams. And that's incredible. That's amazing. Thank you, Dan. You're amazing. It's incredible what you do. Yeah, thank you for giving voice to working actors and to kind of pulling the veil back and showing that, you know, it's not just Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And we're just getting started because this... There's a lot of new things coming up on the channel. I also want to thank those who watch this. Thank you so much for staying here. The whole video, it means a lot. Now, this episode is about to be over. So, you know, the drill on the description below, you're going to see the social media of this amazing, talented um, uh, people here. So go follow them. Hashtag Team Megan, hashtag Team James, hashtag Team Briar, hashtag Team Rebecca. They're all amazing here. And again, guys, thank you so, so much. Keep inspiring, keep creating, and I'll be definitely seeing the next one.